Welcome to Training for Ultra podcast. I'm your host, Keely Henninger. Just kidding, I'm not actually the host. Rob is still here, but I'm going to be here talking to you guys today about a ton of things, and I'll definitely talk about my pup, Jade. So don't worry if you guys like her better than me, that is totally fine with me. Um, but I guess I'll let Rob come and chat with us too now, so I don't steal his thunder. Rob, I also go by Train for Ultra, and Keely Henninger is on this episode. She is probably one of the top 10 female trail runners in the whole world, just an excellent, excellent athlete, Nike Trail Elite, and just a really fun person to speak with. She's coming off an injury right now. I think she's probably still trying to recover from it, and uh, it's just an honor to have her on the show, and it was it was cool to see her perspective on things, especially now that she has some downtime. Wanted to thank Exoskin. If you haven't tried out their socks or calf sleeves, base layers, feel free to use my promo code T, the number 4U20, for 20% off. Thank you to Destination Trail, Candace Burt and her team. They put on those big 200-mile races, but then they also have a lot of shorter, um, fun, just amazing races in beautiful areas. Thank you to Sufferfest Beer. They have really good distribution in California, Colorado, hopefully here nationwide. We'll see. Um, Thank you to Ultimate Direction. Use their vests during all my races and uh, just use one of their handhelds. Really good, high-quality vests. And last but not least, Hammer Nutrition. If you have not tried their gels or their Perpetuum, or I like their vitamins personally, uh, feel free to use my promo code or referral code 252888 and you'll save 15% off your first order. So let's talk Palmer Lake 24-hour death race slash fun run. Uh, you know, the game plan going into the race was let's run 20 miles and make a call. And then if we're feeling good, we can go for it. And I know it's a local race. You know, it's not a CCC type competitive field. <laughs> this is a small local race. It's around this 0.8 two-mile loop, and you just go around and around Palmer Lake, and hence uh, hence why it's a death race. But, I mean, I, I followed my plan. I was prepared to go for all 24 hours and mentally just totally prepared to do that. You know, I had two iPods ready to go with music. Um, I was, I had food prepared. I brought a ton of clothes. I brought too many clothes, and Ran 20 miles, and my legs just weren't feeling recovered from Georgia Death Race. So I pulled the plug pretty early. I was only like three and a half hours in and just decided, let's not do something stupid here. My A goal of the year is the Triple Crown of 200s. Let's focus on an easy week, some easy miles, get back into some base building. So that's the path I took. I mean, I, I am, you know, I'm happy with the decision. I'm glad I can make those type of calls for myself when it counts. In difficult conditions, it was freezing cold. And Palmer Lake's at 7,200 feet. So we're at altitude, and I was running. I was probably in fifth or sixth place. And it was um, 
you know, I'll maybe try it again next year. I know I have a good 24-hour race in me at some point if it's at a reasonable altitude and it's not snowing and muddy. So we'll see. But again, my, my quads just felt destroyed still from Georgia Death Race. And I can, I've learned, I'm experienced enough, you know, from the middle of the pack that certain leg muscles, when they feel the way they do, like, you know, you're kind of pushing the envelope and I just am not willing to hurt myself for a, a fourth place at a local 24 hour event. Like my A goal going into this year has been the triple crown of 200s and 20 miles, nice long run, good kind of start off point for training. So I'm planning some easier miles as I get ready for quad rock 50 and bighorn 100. But my focus is mainly on Bigfoot 200 come August, Tahoe 200 uh, come September and Moab 240 in October. Those are my goals. It's ambitious and that's what, you know, is motivating me personally. So whatever motivates you is pretty much the key I've found. But it was cool during the Palmer Lake race, a girl took her headphones out and was like, I'm listening to your podcast right now. Like, I'm listening to you speaking with Candace Burt. It was kind of cool. I haven't had that happen, like, in person. And let's see. Someone told me about a local runner, PJ, who lost a bunch of weight, showed up at a at our local Runner's Roost group run, and said that he's taking up trail running because he read Training for Ultra. So that's why I wrote the book, that exact story. And PJ, if you're listening, reach out. Um, need to hear more about what you're aspiring to do. And then I had one question that I was like, you know what, this is a really great question. Um, I need to share this and kind of go over it with um, some more details. So it's Andrew. He's from austin texas and he says first off thanks for all your work and inspiration he's 39 he's been into athletics most of his life but just caught the trail running bug and he he's only in his first he's at the beginning of his journey one week into intentional training lives in austin texas he wants to do a 50 miler bandera in october and he's just wondering about suggestions. He's planning on picking up the book. And he likes learning from others. And he's aspiring to be a middle-of-the-pack crusher like me. Um, so I know, he says, I know you're probably a busy guy with a newborn, a newborn on all. But I thought I would reach out anyways on the off chance you might respond. I try to respond to everyone which takes a lot of time, but it's totally worth it for you guys. So thanks for what you do and for helping to inspire me to start this crazy journey. Okay, so I'm not a coach. Recommend if you're taking it that serious. I mean, it's okay to reach out to a coach if um, you, know, you have the financial resources. It's a good idea for sure. Um, I've been fortunate enough to get away with not having a coach. I think I'm toying with the idea right now. So your first year of running and training for your first ultra, I think heart rate based training is key. So a lot of tons of easy runs. I mean, you also want to develop, you know, a, a good running form. So you need to throw in some, some, you know, one day of, of faster efforts and, 
your body definitely adapts to that type of thing. But I started with a lot of base building, easy runs, humbling 16-minute miles where I'm looking around like I could probably walk faster than I am jogging right now. But I knew that it's what I needed to do. Like my heart and coming from my fitness level background, like basically coming out of a desk chair, you know, having sat for five years straight and not done anything in the um, athletic spectrum. Like I just, I had to start at a super, super humble level um, because initially I started too fast and got hurt multiple times. So don't be afraid to walk, hike, you know, it's okay to hike and walk. But I think that starting off with easy runs, 90% of your runs being easy. And then, I mean, the last thing I'll say, foam rolling is a big deal. Listen to your body, take days off when you're not feeling it. It's okay because you don't want to get injured early on. You need to try to build consistency. But yeah, a lot of a lot of easy runs and having a day off after a long run helped me personally. So back-to-back long runs within my first year running is when I personally had issues. And yeah, I mean, a lot of it's finding that goal that really motivates you and building some consistency and it's something I'm still working on today. Like I, I want to become more consistent with my running, you know, my work my work schedule is crazy right now taking care of two kids trying to record this audiobook that should be out hopefully late april you know there's just a lot of moving parts um that's all the advice i have andrew best of luck thank you for reaching out pj if you're listening keep it up reach out to me and jen congrats she's going to be pacing me at moab 240 she just gutted it out at Palmer Lake for 24 hours, got her 100 miles in. Well done. Congrats. So enjoy this episode. Happy training. See you guys. Welcome. That, w- that was a good one. I liked it. <laughs> I appreciate you taking the time. And I can't believe it's taken me this long to finally get to speak with you, which is totally on my side. I just, I've been bogged down. There's so many awesome runners out there. And you had a really great year. Um, and what was weird was what really got my attention was your attitude dealing with an injury. I mean, maybe we start there. Do we want to just, and then we'll, we'll talk more about Jade and (laughs) non-running topics, but, um, what happened with your injury? Kind of, where are you and how are you feeling? Yeah. Um, so I think that's a great place to start. Uh, I've been, in the sport for like four or five years now and kind of coming in uh, I'd gotten to witness a new side of sport that I'd never known before and I feel like this kind of framed my mind towards injury so I'm gonna start there. Um, I just kind of realized that there's a lot of mental and physical challenges that come with running and especially ultra running and I've just witnessed a lot of injuries in other people and mental setbacks in other people and I've kind of seen it firsthand and to be honest, I kind of thought I I understood it all and that I would be immune to it. Um, and so this past year when I kind of found myself battling all of these niggles and eventually coming to the point where I didn't even like to run anymore and I had all of these really, really bad pains and injuries flaring up, I still kind of thought that I was beating it. Um, and so when it actually reared its ugly head, I was kind of shocked. Like, I know my outlook now is really positive, but there was definitely a day where 
I was pretty bummed. I couldn't almost believe that I had fallen victim to this thing that I'd been witnessing for years. Um, and so after that day, I almost took a time to step back. And I think that's when I almost realized that I had been my own worst enemy in ignoring all these things that really contributed to my my ultimate injury that's going to set me back for a bit now. But that's where the magic kind of happened. So I started realizing that, yeah, we all are kind of human and there's a lot of things that ultra running does to the body. And so if you have all these external stressors having a play as well, you're kind of setting yourself up for failure. So looking back, I just realized that there were so many red flags that I just continued to ignore. Um, and so once it came down to accepting my injury, I found it quite simple because I realized that it was all on me and that in order to get past this injury, I had to change some things and be willing to accept that I did wrong. Um, and I'm kind of excited for the reset and able to build off of things I was, I was bad at and ignoring as well as just take time to let the body rest and kind of reset my frame for training and racing in the future. So what, so, what red flags were you seeing? Because I know a lot of the listeners are going to be curious, so they're, I mean, they might be questioning something they have. Yeah, so I'd say the smaller red flags that are that are earlier on than the, the bigger ones would be things like little niggles that don't go away or nights where you find yourself not sleeping. And I don't mean nights consecutive, but once in a while a night where you're not sleeping and there's no real root cause, um, waking up super tired and just kind of pushing it aside. Um, finding yourself waking up a little hungrier than usual, finding yourself really stressed out at work. I mean, all the stresses are kind of intertwined. So I think if you find yourself being more easily agitated than usual, then that might mean that there's a lot of other stressors at play as well. And maybe you're burning the candle at both ends. Um, so for me, it was that. It was, I was super agitated at work and just easily stressed. I was still performing at work fine, but inside I was just really stressed all the time. And I had all these niggles just keep flaring up that I kept ignoring. Like after the race in June, I had a hamstring flare up, then the adductor flare up, then all these other things just kept flaring up. And I just kept ignoring them thinking they were part of the training process. But I think sometimes your body knows better than you that maybe something's wrong right then and there. And you just have to bite the bullet and take some time off early. Um, yeah, I'd say that's those are the big things. And then I was starting to have sleepless nights where I wasn't able to sleep after um, training, and I really didn't know what. So I just kind of felt like there was a lot of little things that happened. Um, yeah. What was what ultimately happened to you? Um, yeah. So, so I mean, the ultimate thing was my right, the right um, part of my sacrum had a stress fracture. Um, and then upon further investigation, I guess, into the pelvis, there's just been some um, inflammation and uh, swelling in the lower part of my pelvis as well. And that's probably from or causing adductor pain, which we don't know what happened first, the chicken or the egg, but might have been a cause from a hamstring injury that I had in June after Labrador. So kind of all snowball, snowballed into one big issue. But kind of like um, a piece that I wrote about the tip of the iceberg, that's very much what the stress reaction, stress fracture was, was that it was a, the tip of the iceberg. It really, in the scheme of the thing, isn't that big. It's the part of the injury that is showing and has made me stop running, but it's not the root cause and it's not the bigger issue. Um, and by the end, before this injury happened, I was waking up not wanting to run, trying my hardest to find people to run with because I was just so over it. I wasn't enjoying running, which is really strange for me. 
I was definitely even more stressed at work and stuff like that. And yeah, I just really felt quite awful. I didn't have an appetite anymore. I definitely wasn't as hungry as I should have been. And so there's just a lot of things at play, like my probably my hormones and stress levels and everything like that were just too high um, and ultimately just ended in, yeah, something that put me on the sidelines for a bit. But I think it was it was necessary. Would, I mean, having blood work done at that point have helped you? Do you think, like, not eating as much, like, maybe, yeah, I mean, between the hormone imbalance, you know, potential and then, I don't know, missing some basic, you know, key key things your body needs kind of yeah, so weakened say, your skeletal and muscular. So, I mean, yeah. you of all people would know that. <laughs> yeah. So I'd say, um, if anything, I'm at fault for the blood result. Um, idea because I, I do get my blood results tested very frequently with Inside Tracker, but I kind of was ignoring it almost, and I took a good amount of time in between these past two tests. Um, and yeah, this current test showed that my vitamin D was was low, so I need to work on that. And we all know that that's very crucial for bone health. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think yeah, I was kind of. I mean, I'm pretty smart in the area of physiology in the body, and I almost was ignoring the signs subconsciously just because I didn't want to face them. And so I didn't get my blood tested as frequently as I should have. And I definitely was ignoring some things that um, could have been preventable. And I think that just comes with part of the sport. You want to think you're invincible and that you're maybe thinking of these things that are happening and that they're just a figment of your imagination. Because it's not necessarily I wasn't eating enough. It was just I felt differently about food and almost was forcing myself to eat because I wasn't hungry um, as, as I should have been. And so it was just like a weird dynamic. Um, and then, yeah, I think it just ultimately was just too much stress in general, but yeah, to your point, I definitely should have been more on top of both my blood, blood analysis, because I do, I'm very fortunate to work with inside tracker and get blood result, blood tests whenever I do want them. Um, so I should have just kind of stopped being so ignorant and, thinking that I was uh, immune to these kinds of yeah. injuries and actually gotten my blood drawn. Yeah. That's, I mean, it's huge that you can recognize your own faults because I think that takes a lot. Um, and probably the scientist in you was like, oh, it's such a small sample size and I'm not like the standard American, so these blood results are a little off. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, were you fighting depression throughout this? I don't mean to ask such a personal question, but it seems like between the stress and like you didn't want to run which and when I'm not running sometimes you know I feel more down than normal like it's just mm-hmm. I'll be honest I, I don't feel like flat out depressed but um it definitely getting a run in every day makes me feel like a different person so I'm guessing someone like you is uh, feeling something similar yeah yeah you know I wouldn't say that I was feeling depressed per se, but I definitely had greater mood swings. So you would like, there would be days where I felt amazing and then days where I was questioning why I was running. And then, so I think it was a little bit of battling there. Um, and I think that all just comes down to if you're ignoring the root cause of something to the point where you're pushing yourself to run and do these things just because you have to, and not because you're enjoying it, that's when you're no longer getting the fulfillment out of running that I normally get that, you know, keeps you in a good mood and keeps you confident in yourself. So I think I was finding myself just making myself run because, you know, I have to, quote unquote, but not because I wanted to. And 
yeah, so I think that does affect your mood. So then you might have a great workout, but if you didn't want to do it, you're not going to have that same feeling of gratification afterwards. And you're going to be more likely to say, oh, that workout sucked. Like I could have done better instead of appreciating the training and the hard work and the feeling of success after a workout. So yeah, to your point, I think I was feeling a lot of different emotions and I wouldn't say I was depressed, but definitely a lot of mood fluctuations. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm going to send you a, uh, enjoy your training t-shirt. <laughs> it's hard. It's hard for this elite elites to actually smile while they're training sometimes. So it's, it's a good reminder. Um, middle of the pack, back of the pack. I mean, if we're not having fun, there's no way we're even going to get out to do it. We can always find excuses. For sure. Um, yeah. And I think that's where it was different because normally I find that I love my training, even if it's hard, it's like the process is awesome and you can almost enjoy the process better than any end result. Um, and, and yeah, I, I was finding myself that way for quite some time. And then it kind of shifted, I think, you know, maybe eight to 10 months ago, maybe a little sooner than, or later than that, but where I wasn't necessarily enjoying the process as much, I was more putting my feelings about it aside and just making myself do it. So yeah, I'd say, yeah, being in a space where you feel like you have to train and perform definitely can make you ignore things that maybe would be better off not being ignored. But. So where are you now? How How is the recovery process going? And are you in a better mental state? I mean, it seems like you're, you're in a very good mood. And I mean, have you figured out some of these, you know, situations and corrected them? Yeah, so I think just the, just being able to write them down for me really helped and just almost owning up to what I was kind of ignoring um, really helped. And yeah, right now my mental status on the whole injury is quite good. Um, obviously, there's times where I see people running and, you know, just enjoying the outdoors, <laughs> even if it's just a walk. Uh, and I get a little jealous, obviously, because sometimes I think I, most of us just like being outside and seeing where our bodies can take us. But yeah, I think my mental status right now is, is quite good, and I'm able to channel a lot of my energy towards figuring out how to better things, but also just, like, you know, maybe learn a little bit extra at work, um, spend a little extra time with my dog or with my boyfriend or whatever, and just try to not think about it as much and almost appreciate the downtime as just time for that I'll, that I'll like in the future, that I'll look back on and be like, I was so grateful for that time off because clearly my body really needed it. And now look, two years, three years, four years later, I'm, you know, I have a better grasp on my training, on my life work and running balance. And I'm able to keep running at this high level and keep doing what I love. So yeah, I think uh, that I'm doing pretty well right now. And definitely I've just been looking more into my daily nutrition and my supplements that I use and all that kind of thing, as well as just peace of mind. So I've been doing a ton of like meditation and mindfulness type tra training as well, just because I think I knew you. Fun. I knew I liked you. I mean, don't get me started on vitamins because everyone just buys like the one a days and they don't know where any of that stuff is sourced from, which just drives me nuts. It like you're you will spend hours like examining vegetables and like knowing exactly like you know where where these local vegetables are coming from mm -hmm. and then like we throw stuff in our body that we just don't even don't even think about which kills me um but yeah so you meditate that's awesome i mean i wouldn't, I wouldn't say i meditate i'm trying to get into a place where i can practice meditation every day but oh my it's, gosh. A, it's a journey 
<laughs> I I try, and normally it's like between screaming children, so it's kind yeah. of like probably really, a bit Yeah, I mean honestly, probably the only real like solid meditation I get is when I'm out on the trail and like hit flow mm-hmm. for a while. Um, yeah, I think that's that's meditation in its own right, right? Totally. I mean, I I can't relate to you know maybe some of the workouts you're doing, but a lot of times if my heart rate's low and yeah, things are easy paced. I mean, they're monks that are meditating, you know, doing a marathon a day for a thousand days. Right. You know, yeah. It's... Yeah. And, and I think that's the one thing that we have to almost dissociate from meditation is that maybe it seems like this scary hippie thing. I don't know. That's what I used to think of it. But it's really just learning to listen to your body and your mind and not ignore it and then try to control it a little bit more every day. So instead of, you know, during a hard workout or during a race or, you know, even just everyday life when you're feeling a little stressed, if you're able to just take a breath in and redirect your thoughts a little bit, that's where meditation comes to help, right? Yeah, the breathing is a huge part. I mean, I'm no master at meditation and this is just what I do personally, but I just live in the moment. Like I, I totally, my brain stops thinking about past events. It stops looking towards future goals and it literally turns itself off and I am just in it's kind of cliche at this point each footstep but I just yeah I take everything in and I'm like literally living in the exact present moment and uh yeah not much suffering or stress when you're you're living in each footstep yeah so, that's a good that's a really good piece of advice yeah I think um I I really like where you're at I'm excited I think 2020 2021 i mean whatever goal you set out that far i think you'll be able to accomplish it i've seen it with a lot of runners i've talked to a lot of people that have had injuries they sat out three months bounce back and win jfk or you know like have their bodies haven't rested in decades like you're have you really had downtime for 10 years yeah i was thinking of that and definitely not i mean i wasn't a runner in high school but i played basketball year round and soccer year round and then you know got into running and just working out in general I don't think I've had more than a week of doing nothing off for yeah I don't even know when that's <laughs> I'm like, telling you, know, you it's like training or something you're so. gonna you're gonna heal up and don't be shocked if you have like that next gear ready to go um and obviously yeah, coach keeps telling me to <laughs> you're smart about it so you're not gonna like go for a hundred mile or right out of the gates but yeah, give it give it some time, and oh my gosh, I mean, you you were ranked uh, sixth ultra runner in the of the year last yeah. year, and yeah, don't be shocked if you're. Um, I don't know what what are your goals? Like, is it Western states? I mean, you've done a hundred k. You've done like what a hundred and twenty k. I want to say. What what's the farthest you've run, and like, what actually lights the training fire for you yeah so i've done 120k and that was lavarito and that at the time was definitely too far um i give mad props to people who do 100 milers but i think through all of my suffering through these 100 120ks in europe i've realized that they are very difficult and they just require an enormous amount of suffering capability and i'm not sure if i'm there yet but i'm getting there i think uh, it's and, training. 
Uh, it's training. Yeah, and I, Mental exactly. training. Yeah. And, and body training, I think, as well. I think yeah. your body needs to be ready. Like, I think you could do one, but if, if you can't fall, like, if you're going to have a lot of consequences from it and maybe get injured or whatever, then maybe not worth it. But, yeah, so I guess in terms of goals, for this year, I'm hoping to maybe be able to race in Europe in the end of the summer, like, end of August. So hopefully do one of the UTMB races. Oh, those not would be UTMB. awesome. Um, uh, end of August, and then my biggest goal is to race North Face. I was so bummed this year when it got uh, it yeah. got canceled, but I mean it was for the the best cause, and it ended up being amazing with all those money, the money going towards the fires and everything. So in the end of the day, I think it was it was awesome that it was canceled because it ended up benefiting California really greatly. It was a tough um, call, but I respect the heck out of it. And yeah, me too. I, I've been trying to figure out ways to raise money for that cause because that hit so many trail runners like. Yeah, it's I mean, so it, sad. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, so for this year, just I'm going to focus on something there and then hopefully North Face. And then, yeah, I mean, ultimately, the biggest, the race that stokes my biggest fire is UTMB, just because I've been there for, for I've been around UTMB a lot. And it's like my favorite trail in the world. So, like, I think being, doing that race with how awesome the community is and how stoked everyone is and just those trails are amazing. They're runnable, mixed with hiking, mixed with so many things, and you can see all the stark countries as you enter them. It's, They're so yeah. different from one another. Like that would be what stokes my fire if I were to do a hundred mile. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, I'll do Western one day. I think that it really uh, plays well with what I'm good at. But I'm, I'm just not, I'm not as stoked about it right now as I am other races. So until I feel the same fire for that as I do for other races and other things i'm not going to force myself to run it kind of why i didn't take my ticket last year um it's smart I know I'll it's run it really really smart it's rare to have someone uh thinking on that level and understanding that stuff i mean unfortunately because i mean all the sponsor dollars want your top 10 you know yeah. at western states just because it's a media circus and sure. it truly is a super bowl of ultra running i mean mm-hmm. and i utmb races are sort of a olympic type event yeah yeah no i def yeah i agree there's definitely some hype behind doing them but that was kind of another thing i found myself feeling before i realized like earlier this year when i was kind of on my path to being really injured and burned out was that i felt like i needed to go run western and that i needed to go do this and this and like i just couldn't separate what i wanted from what i felt like i needed to do and it was like it's a weird dilemma and uh i'm not sure if it's sounds weird but yeah i just couldn't decipher like what I really wanted anymore and what I felt like I should do and so it was just it was just interesting yeah that's fascinating I mean I've I felt pressure I sign up for a race I make it very public like this is the race I'm doing and then you know I I sort of commit to it and these days you have to commit so far in advance it's like Mm -hmm. um if you start losing the desire for that race like I don't know it's it's difficult and i can't even imagine on your level i mean i feel pressure just middle of the pack you know so oh, yeah. i mean how who who are you sponsored by let's let's start there also <laughs> um yeah so i run for nike as well as work for them so i'm a big nike fan um and then yeah i just work with inside tracker who is an awesome company who will analyze your blood and give you nutrition recommendations and supplement recommendations and just give you an opportunity to see all of your blood results broken down for you and track over time um and then i also work with goo 
Goo Energy Labs, who I think everyone probably knows who that is. Yeah. But if you don't, they're a nutrition company. They make gels. They make powders with electrolytes in them. They make Stroop waffles. Um, they make a ton of stuff. They now have a probiotic line, you know, just tons of stuff that can supplement your training. I like their waffles. <laughs> their waffles um, are tasty. Ham- I, Hammer doesn't like- make any products similar, so I can kind of say <laughs> that. Um <laughs> Like, literally, you know, as a Hammer athlete, like, you know, I can't publicly just, like, go around, hey, this is this is a great product. Um, but, no, those those waffle things, I think um, I think Honey Stinger makes them also. Occasionally, I'll, I'll have one. Um, they're cool. They're a cool product. Um, especially when they add, like, electrolytes in it. Yeah. Um, you want to take it to the next level for breakfast. You gotta take a waffle and some peanut butter and a banana on top. I've seen those updates and <laughs> they kill me inside. Uh, they look so good. It's it's almost like seeing a donut picture or something like, <laughs> like for someone who doesn't eat much sugar at all. Oh, I could just take down like a baker's dozen of donuts sometime. Um, well, I I'm trying to go back. I mean, where where did you grow up? And you said you didn't get into running until a little bit later because you were playing some extra, some, uh, what was it, soccer and... Soccer and basketball, yeah. Basketball, that's right. Um, where where did you grow up? Uh, I grew up in Williamsport, Pennsylvania. So very much central PA, uh, about three hours from Philly or Pittsburgh, and about an hour from Penn State. Nice. Yeah. And so were you a soccer player, like, age five until basically throughout high school, or... I- was it yeah, later? I started soccer when I was five, played through my senior year where we won states, which was awesome because it was me and my 10 best friends who started soccer with me when they were also five. So wow. it was like a very unique and very cool situation. Um, and then basketball was the same, um, but that was more my primary sport. And that was what my parents, my dad had played in college. His brother had played in college and semi-pro. His son played college. His daughter played college, you know whole family was basketball so that was more like where I was that's what I was planning on doing and then um there I was actually injured very badly as well both years before college I tore the labrum in both of my shoulders to consecutive seasons so ended up not being able to play in college (laughs) how Uh, how tall are you I'm almost six feet tall no kidding I I'm sorry the pictures don't do your your height (laughs) justice there I, yeah, you, like you never lot. know. I mean, like a Zach Miller looks like he's six five or something. Right. And, yeah, no, um, that's fascinating. I mean, that's it's actually kind of abnormal to for ultra runners, but it also yeah. explains like your your abilities at like the fifty k mountainous races. Um, that's fascinating. So basketball it was, and then and so when did you get into running? Was it like I yeah. was yeah, it, it was college? Like- Yep, it was a cope almost for not playing basketball. So I just started running the same three-mile loop every day, like over and over and over again. Um, Not at once, but like every day was three miles and three miles and three miles. And so nothing crazy. But then uh, I met these two guys training for a marathon. And I was like, well, shoot, I can do that, whatever. And so I ran a marathon like out of no training and uh, got pretty injured. (laughs) Um, And so so this is why I think by now I feel like, like I understand how to avoid injury and like can almost kind of break down my injury better now than I used to um, in the past because obviously we've we're all stupid at some point and so I think I just kind of got my stupidity out of the way if that's if that makes sense yeah when I was injured earlier and like just doing stupid things and so I think over time you just get a little bit more in touch with your body which I thought I was and then 
and at least like makes you more mature when you do get injured to be able to reflect on it and realize that you were doing something that was stupid. Whereas when you're younger, maybe you just you just get angry and you don't really appreciate the injury for telling you something about your body that you were ignoring. Um, but yeah, so I started running in college. Sorry, that was a little tangent. No, uh, I'm thinking more yeah. more importantly, did you beat the two guys that were training? Oh yes, yes, for sure. Totally, um, totally worth that injury, right? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I ran a little bit throughout my first three years of college, kind of off and on. Did some CrossFit, did some co-ed soccer, you know, just did a bunch of stuff. Was a normal college student. And then uh, my senior year, I was uh, debating on medical school and then kind of was on the, the lower end of that fence where I was like, I don't know if I want to. Uh, and I ran a 50 mile and did pretty well. So I started running trail races. And then my two professors at the time, they knew I was just pretty on the fence about med school and that to figure out what I wanted to do, I should just take the time off and go pursue the running thing and just figure out what I want to do. So it's kind of what I did. I just moved to Colorado with no job and got luckily involved with a research program there head by this guy who's awesome, really into biomechanics. We did a study on uphill running uh, and then was just absorbed in the community there and just started run, training and running a lot. And that's kind of where my base started getting built, where I started putting in miles and that kind of stuff. Boulder and, or where, where bots? In Boulder, yeah. Okay. Yeah, and then I ended up moving here about a year after moving to Boulder for a job and then signed with Nike, luckily. Um, and then, yeah, kind of have been training ever since and figuring out running, uh, which I feel like takes a little bit of time for the body to be become used to running for its main source of exercise as well as just getting all those miles in. So I'd say the first couple of years was a lot of butting heads between me and David um, me wanting to feel like I, I still knew how to train myself. Um, and I think it just took a while for my body to get used to the running. David Roach? Feel, yeah, David, David Roach is my coach. Okay. Yeah, so I think it's just, like anything, it takes time for your body to become used to running. And I think that you don't see the results necessarily right away of all your efforts, but you will over time. And so, like, I think you just have to not rush it. Um, so that's kind of where I found myself where how i found myself here i think okay totally totally random question normally this would be like after the recording but who cares um were you friends with anime by chance uh anime Flynn. uh no in boulder okay <laughs> we we were talking we were talking like who's going to be top 10 ultra runner of the year in the female category and she she listed you and i was like yeah that's interesting like i honestly hadn't been following you that closely and she knew exactly who you were and like all all this stuff so i think she was at boulder around that same time so i just wasn't okay. sure um i mean we've met on occasions for sure uh i think just in general the girls in the sport we kind of keep tabs on each other and we notice when people win and we just follow each other because we're all very supportive of one another so it's, maybe that's it's, it's crazy you guys are so competitive and also like so supportive of each other yeah. It's really yeah, cool. It's great I think that's just what running is in general, right? Because you all can accept, like, it's when it, when when it's all said and done, you're out there racing. It's what you've put in, right? So you yeah. can be super competitive, but then also acknowledge if someone else has a better day than you. And so I think it's just, it's a really rare sport where you all are training your asses off to be really good. But on the given day, it's whoever's the best win. So I think being able to step back and appreciate that for what it's worth, as well as just like supporting the girls in the sport, because we're not a huge sport yet. And just appreciating how like dedicated and stoked everyone is for the sport. I think that's just what makes it so unique. 
we all think this is such a giant sport, and we're all like, uh, we're, we're all like <laughs> super yeah, competitive, and no. oh, like <laughs> this is this is such a big deal. But then, like, we're just an ant colony, like on a mound in Africa, like <laughs> exactly, yeah. In the scheme of the sport world, we're definitely pretty tiny. Yeah, but so, I think I mean. It's still relatively large in Europe, I guess, but also, yeah, in the scheme of the world, it is very tiny. Um, so I'm I'm gonna take a second. I'll just live mention uh, my sponsors, and then you're welcome to throw some in. I want to hear more about your gear and more about Nike. Um, so I wanted to thank five quick sponsors: Exoskin, Destination Trail, Sufferfest Beer, Hammer Nutrition, and Ultimate Direction. I could go into each and every one of those. I think you guys at this point have heard enough on those. For one episode, we'll have an ad light episode. And Keely, let's hear more about Nike. I mean, are 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 you wearing right now the Kyger Fives? Do you just wear those to work? <laughs> uh, I'm actually wearing a shoe I can't talk about right now, but uh, I do wear the Wild Horse a lot. We we can um, talk about the shoes you're wearing right now. No. No. Nope. All right. Sorry. The new Wild Horse 5 is awesome. It's The upper is totally new, so it fits fits better than the last one, I think. It's way more comfy. And then the new Kyger is badass. Like, legit has uh, new lugs and a rock plate, so I feel like it'll be perfect for cool. technical races and zipping through pretty rocky trails and stuff like that, um, where the last Kyger was more... Um, like United States type trails that aren't super technical because it didn't have a rock plate and not very good, not as good, not as good of traction. How's the toe uh, guard? That, is it toe guard? Okay. My favorite trail shoe. Um, the toe guard is good. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I put them on and I felt like I was zipping through the trails. They're just like very different ride than the old one, but they're awesome. Cool. Uh, and they look pretty rad, but yeah, I haven't worn them around the office yet. Um, choose the wild horse just cause they're a little thicker and like, I don't know, comfier with crutches. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe it's, I haven't tried the Kygers for the crutches yet, so I can't judge them. But you just time. sold one one pair to someone out there. <laughs> There's one listener that's on crutches right now, and they're like, "I'm looking for a new <laughs> shoe that's good with crutches." <laughs> Probably my mom, yeah. actually. Um, yeah, they're awesome. But yeah, so we're we're launching those two new shoes, and then uh, yeah, working on some new stuff for the future. So it should be exciting for a Nike Trail. So you're not even going to reveal what color the shoes are that you're wearing. Or are they like you know those cars like when it's a new body they like hide the hide the color behind like some weird right okay no that's a bad no joke problem. yeah all my jokes can't be good okay <laughs> I take a risk with each of them all right. S- some fall flat okay I'm I'm feeling the the pressure of not talking about these shoes that you're wearing so I get it uh, Matt Daniels and I are are uh, ordering a pair of Kygers for me so I'm excited okay. to try them out I'm. Not sure what color we're going with. Um, do you wear toe socks or no toe socks? That's the most important question of the whole night. No, I wear a normal sock. Do you put any kind of foot lube or squirrel's nut butter or anything on your foot before you throw the sock on? Nope. Do you ever? But put, I also don't ever... have like six. I also don't have like six toenails, so I might not be doing it right. <laughs> yeah. I. <laughs> But, yeah, I don't know. I feel like, why would you want your sh- your foot to be sliding around your sock? Is that a good thing? I don't know. I'm asking more than inferring. It, it slides around for, like, two minutes, and then it just makes your foot happy. Um, 
Like, it, it's very uncomfortable slathering crap on your toes and sliding them into socks. Like, it's a very yeah. awkward feeling, but then when it's if it's like a reasonably dry race like after 50 miles or so and you don't have blisters it's actually well worth it so okay. that's what i do that what's that's what works for me i don't know i think since you're sixth in the world or sixth in the u.s i probably wouldn't change what you're doing <laughs> <laughs> um i'm i'm ranked globally by the way i'm oh, wow. yeah hundred and fifty six thousandth, i think <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, watch out. My ranking actually went down 30,000 slots. So <laughs> the better I do, the worse my global ranking gets. Um anyways, Nike Trail can always, you know, reach out whenever. Um What <laughs> do you, do you wear compression gear at all? Like let's do you wear a vest ever or you just handhelds? Um, yeah, I'll wear a vest for training runs if I have to carry, like, my dog's leash and stuff. But typically, I don't wear vests unless I'm training for really long races. Um, typically, handhelds, yeah. Um, let's see, compression? Not really, no. I'll wear them on planes. Otherwise, I Very don't. Common. I'm not a huge fan of it, but that's just me. I know it works really well for some people. Um, and there's obviously science behind it as well for the benefits of compression. But for me, I just use it on, after really big big races like 100k or something and but especially if it's a travel day um but yeah nothing i don't use anything crazy that's uh probably not used by every single one of our listeners but you use a uh, handheld or handheld i'm sorry uh gps watch or uh yeah i have a, a sunto ambit 3 peak so cool. a pretty old one but i love it so much it's like my baby so that's what i use and are you tracking your miles in strava I do. I use Java. Yep. Okay. It, for me, it's just like convenience. I don't have time to like log anything in a book or do any of that. I like, I'll snap a photo yeah. during every run and like just post it. And that way I can look at like the whole picture and not have to actually really do much work. Yeah. It was pretty, pretty, Strava is pretty handy. It's also funny to see like if you're running in the Pacific Northwest, especially in Portland, our trails are like at least 10% short on GPS watches, if not 20% short every time. So you get gypped from some mileage. So you just have to be cognizant of that. If you're, like, trying to get your mileage goal and you're, like, f two miles under, you got to be like, okay, Gilly, calm down because you're probably five miles over. <laughs> That's super weird. But, Is that, like, just GPS, like, triangulations off? Yeah, I I'd say it's uh, – I used to work in GPS uh, devices, actually, and I think it's a combination of the placement of the city in relation to the banked hill that this, the park sits on. Huh. So I think that it must be blocking the satellites somehow because, yeah, it's just pretty bad. And the trails are super windy and overgrown as well. So it's like a combination of all the bad factors. Yeah. Yeah, that's fascinating. Um, and so do you take in, like, a certain amount of gels during races? Like, uh, do you have it down to a science? Are you, like, yeah, because you're so very scientific-minded. I mean. Yeah, so my most successful races have been three gels an hour, I'd say, for the first, the first like, at least three-fourths of the race. Wow, that's a lot. Yeah. I would get uh, so sick of opening those. I, I can only do one, like, every 45 minutes. That's a lot. Yeah, so that's what I used to do every 35 to 45. Um, and I would just, if you're running, it's for fast races. Like, you're just burning so much that if your stomach's working, I'd, I just try to eat as much as I can in the first, like, three-fourths of the race. Because by the last fourth, I normally don't eat that much. But by then, I have, like, such a store at least that... 
I'm I can sort of suffer through it if I have to, but can still at least get down like some rock, like some drink with calories in it or some other type of calories. But by then my yeah, the gel. I try just to running around with like a gel baby in you, like <laughs> exactly. But like, geez, you know, it's, not, it's so like, many. Yeah, I don't know. I was I was running Trans Rockies like three years ago with Amanda, and uh, I kept bonking at altitude, which was a because I didn't live at altitude, but also because I wasn't eating much mm-hmm. compared to her. And she goes, "What are you doing? Eat one every twenty minutes." And I was like, "Oh, Whoa. okay," because we were at ten thousand feet. So then you're definitely burning them more, even if you're not running super fast. So you just have to remember that, like, when you're running and you f- say you're running six miles per hour, okay, that's a ten minute mile. Even slower than that, maybe we'll say four minute mile or four miles per hour. Um, that's 400 technically calories minimum per hour, right? Mm-hmm. So granted, you're never going to replenish how, how many calories you burn, but you could try to like, you know, get close. So I think like 250 to 350 per hour based off of your speed and your body type and your body size, like is definitely necessary. So when I run into people who say they eat a hundred per, per hour, I'm like, please eat more <laughs> because you just, you burn a ton. How much, I mean, what? through your research like how much can the body digest per hour yeah so i'd say it depends on the body type that's the thing is like people with higher metabolisms probably can burn a little bit more but i i don't know the exact number so i'm not going to say anything but i know you can't go eat you know a thousand calories in an hour that probably won't sit that well in the middle of a race but yeah you know, I think the body can process 3 to 400 every hour pretty easily how do you think of hydration because i mean I immediately think of altitude and hydration being so difficult because you don't sweat at altitude a lot of times and like mm-hmm. you're not yeah, at altitude you want to drink more than you would at non-altitude so if you're drinking 20 ounces an hour or 16 ounces an hour down at normal sea level then you might want to drink you know upwards of 25 to 30 ounces in an hour depending on your sweat rate so again this is all very dependent on each person's physiology so if you're not a big sweater then you might get by with not uh, needing to drink quite as much water, but at the same time, you could not be sweating because you're very depleted. So you just have to be very cognizant of what works for you. So I would just recommend training with your race day nutrition and playing around with like the extremes of both overeating and undereating and just knowing what your limits are and what your body can handle as well as water. Like, can you go run with 16 ounces for three hours each hour? Or do you want to try only doing eight ounces an hour? And like, I don't know, I'd say like experiment a bit and find what's good for you um, because it's, there's not like an exact science to it, but you definitely need to drink a lot and eat a lot every hour and during a race uh, so you don't bonk later. Do you have like personal like dietary, like do you restrict yourself on any front like gluten or sugar or like anything or, or where uh, are you on that front? You know, I try not to restrict things. Um, I don't have any allergies to foods that I know of. Um, so in that front, I don't, but I do have a metabolic disorder where I have ovary cysts. So what that does is basically just makes you a little more prone to having prediabetes. So my resting glucose is pretty high. So I don't uh, do a ton of sugar. Um, Interesting. But aside from that, I'll eat pretty much anything. And I just think like the closer to the earth, you're the better. So it's not like I'm going to go eat a box of frosted flakes, but you know, tons of veggies like i'll i'll take bags of trader joe's broccoli on the plane like you know i don't know i just think the more food the better but the better quality of the calories the better so you're, like you're the broccoli lady on the on the airplane oh, broccoli. Oh, man. 
those international flights talk about getting I wouldn't getting I stuck next to the right person. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's awesome. Better than like the subway lady or like the, you know Chinese food lady or whatever. Oh yeah, of course. I mean, some of those foods just like. I don't know, from the mainstream restaurants that go into the to-go, like the Chili's to-go box that you can smell from like 18 rows away. Exactly. Um, <laughs> so you're welcome, actually. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, do you eat meat? Are you I vegetarian, do. vegan? Uh, I was vegetarian for four years, and then uh, my ferritin was never above 10 or 12, so I... I switched to eating meat about two years ago, and my ferritin is now in the high 20s, which is still not very high, but it works for me. Um, I don't think that eating meat or not eating meat, I don't think one is better than the other. I just think what works for me is eating meat, so I do eat. I try to eat red meat once a week, and then I'll have a couple other sources of meat protein, but for the most part, I don't eat a ton of meat. I eat a lot of veggies, some lot beans. Of, lot of bro- a lot of broccoli. Lots of broccoli. A lot yeah. of broccoli. Uh- <laughs> Um, so do you feel a pressure from a work aspect? Like, I think it's kind of unique that you run for Nike, like as a trail runner, ultra runner, and then like you're going in, like your day job is also for Mm -hmm. Nike. Like, like if you win a race, are you like really popular at work? And then like, if you DNF at a race, like, Uh, like, does that affect your, does that affect your work? Nobody knows what I do. (laughs) Really? Yeah, I mean, I'd say trail running is not a huge thing at Nike, and I'd say not everyone is even up to date on the runners at Nike, but yeah, I mean, my coworkers all know when I go to a race, and they know if I do really well at a race, but I don't think they they treat me any differently if I do poorly or do do well. Um, Most of the time, they don't even know if I do that well, so yeah, I'd say it's not quite as, uh, Nike trail is not quite as popular as other sports at Nike, so it's not as widely known. So my, my theory um, is it is it is pretty cool to be working and running for them. Nike, I mean, they have this opportunity to help people with their passion. So, like, you know, these new Kygers that I'm going to get hopefully here soon. Uh, you know, like, next time I'm looking for shoes for my son, Ben, who's, like, four, like, mm-hmm. just subconsciously I'm like, yeah, they care about the trail community. Maybe I look at Nike differently, you know, like, for mm-hmm. – a shirt for my son like so it's not only like a direct but it's like the one-off impact mm-hmm. of the whole community which i think is powerful actually but when you look at just like direct you know nike trail shoe sales like it it doesn't look meaningful but when you start branching out one or two uh derivations like you're all of a sudden like actually impacting things mm-hmm. so yeah, I, I look at it yeah let's um you mentioned that you'd done research on running at some point. How many papers have you put out? Like, what's what's that about? Explain that to me. Uh, oh, I only have one paper out. I only did a f- research for about eight months before I got my next job at Nike. Um, but we did a study on the vertical kilometer and seeing if running or walking at certain inclines was more metabolically beneficial so if it was easier or harder for people at different inclines interesting Uh, yeah just to see you know because if you look at a vertical kilometer race you see a lot of people hiking and that is the preferred method of doing a vertical kilometer um but you also see a lot of different 
lengths of a vertical kilometer, not in the vertical direction, but in the horizontal direction. So we were wondering if given a different horizontal direction, which would change the slope of the vertical kilometer, right? So it might be less steep or more steep. Um, would that affect if you should run it or walk it at, at certain speeds, basically? So I, I have to hear what the conclusion was and you have to work in uh, some scientific nerd talk too. Like, a, can you use the word vector and explain <laughs> your conclusion? Um, Sorry, so, I'm feeling just pretty laid back here. <laughs> no, you're fine. Um, so yeah, we found that after 15 degrees, which is more like a 30% slope, um, hiking is more beneficial for people at the given speed that we had them walking or running in our lab. So at the time we'd chosen a speed that was close to the female world record for a vertical kilometer, which was around 45 minutes uh, for the vertical K. Um, and so given that speed, uh, after 15 degrees, it was more beneficial to walk. Um, so, you know, if you're going slower or going faster, we don't know. Um, but yeah. And then it was also, some people are more economical, uh, running than they are hiking. So there was a couple outliers there, but for the most part, over 15 degrees is more beneficial for walking. That's interesting. I, I mean, I would have thought at least maybe for lower degrees, at least it's dependent on where your lactic threshold is. Like if an athlete's super trained, they can run up an incline, um, and not actually tap into like glucose and have to depend on those fast twitch muscle fibers as much as like maybe you think, but I don't know. I, that's fascinating. Um, but yeah. yeah. I was hoping you worked. In, you would work in vector there, but you know, I, so it's, <laughs> we don't need to get that scientific. But yeah, I don't then, even know what that. I don't even know what that means, but it sounds scientific. So yeah, and um, then if you wanted to like test yourself. You could pick um, like a a trail that averaged ten degrees, uh, and you could run it, or or you could take a second trail that was thirty degrees, but it was shorter. Or you could pick one that's 40 degrees, but even shorter. Like you could see which one you'd get to the summit fastest doing. And we found that like if you chose the second one, which was 30 degrees, um, you would get there faster if you walked that. So just like a cool thing. Like you should definitely check out the article. Um, yeah. yeah, it's cool. That's really fascinating. Mm -hmm. So let's hear about your um, your pup. I don't want to miss Jade and. Um, yeah, but I mean, do you run with Jade or? Uh, yeah, Jade should have her own Strava. She runs all my runs with me mostly. Um, she's probably one of the higher mileage dogs in the Strava world, I'm guessing. <laughs> uh, she loves to run and she's ran up over 30 miles with me before. Probably more like 40 if you count in like when they're running off leash and going back and forth. But yeah, she's pretty crazy, but she's also doing really well with my injury. Like she's not super crazy. She's She's doing okay, so it's it's quite nice. I got very lucky with her. I adopted her like a year ago, actually, so it's kind of awesome. She's going to bounce back from actually having a down week or two. Exactly. She'll be ready for a 50-miler here soon. <laughs> yeah, there's actually a race in uh, southern Oregon that has allows dogs, and you have to win with your dog, so I think we might race that next year. That's the type of dog show I go to. Yeah, exactly. I mean... <laughs> 
none of this like prancing around stuff. Let's let's hit the trails. Yeah. Um, for sure. And so just a few other quick questions and just I've had fun chatting with you. You're you're very approachable and um, well spoken and I've I've truly enjoyed speaking with you and like I said 2020 2021 watch out cuz mm-hmm. uh, I see big things for you ahead. I think your career is so young. You're you're young and uh, yeah, you have a and you're approaching things so smartly. I'm blown away at all the Nike trail elite runners that I come in contact with, like in terms of perspective and just having like longevity in mind, it's unbelievable. So, um, what is your favorite one mile stretch of trail? If you were, I don't know, a prisoner to one mile of trail the rest of your life and you can't run any other mile, where, where are you choosing? Oh boy. Um, yeah, I would choose. Oh, this is the toughest question I've ever had in my entire life. Um, just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I would probably choose, there's a part of the PCT that runs through near Mount Hood sort of. So it's on the way to Mount Hood. And if you go out the first mile, you get to this overlook that just looks out over this beautiful view and when I ran there last time there was a sunset and it's also like quite soft trail uh so I think I would choose that just because you'd never get injured because you're running on like the softest surface ever and then you always have a cool view uh so I would probably choose that part of the Pacific Crest it's like hitting stretches of trail with like those pine needle beds it's just Mm -hmm. yeah it was like that heavenly Mm -hmm. yeah um what's the craziest wildlife encounter you've had because I know um, your section of the U.S. can get kind of crazy. Um, have you had any kind of weird encounters, or has your have your pups helped taking care of that? Or yeah, so I wish I had a cooler story. So I'm gonna go with my fake story. Um, so when my the first race I did was the 50 mile championships. It was in State College, and at mile 35 ish, I started hallucinating, and I thought I was seeing bears on the trail. So. I'd say I was the most scared then until I realized they were fake. Um, but in real, in, in other words, I have not really been, in, I've been lucky to not encounter something crazy on the trail. So. I mean, I totally relate on just hallucinating animals. So <laughs> except for me, it's snakes and it's more like 190, but, um, oh. there, you must be really pushing yourself to hallucinate yeah, at had, 35 anything for the first 30 miles. So uh, did you I sleep was, the night before? That's, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty crazy. So crazy. if I jumped in the passenger side of your car, assuming you have a car, or just mm-hmm. grabbed your iPod, what music do you listen to? Ooh, right now I'm listening to Hosier's newest album. Anything I don't know else? His name correctly, but it's so good. Any uh, anything else? Um, I mean, I listen to a ton of stuff. Mostly there's a podcast or an audio book running, but, um, yeah, I'll listen to country when it's really nice out. I'll listen to rap. Uh, I kind of listen to everything. Fascinating. And I mean, what, what's your favorite race that you've run so far? Um, hmm. I would say CCC when I ran it two, two years, two or three years ago, I think two years ago. Um, because the energy is just tangible the entire time and 
yeah, just incredible, incredible camaraderie on the trail, incredible trails, incredible views. I mean, you cross through three countries for Christ's sake. So it's just like so hard to beat that. Um, but my second favorite race would definitely be White River 50 up in Washington. And that's because it was my first ultra when I moved out west. And the people were just so nice. And the trails were awesome to me because I'd never been in the Pacific Northwest before. And yeah, I'd say that was my that was my second favorite. And then the third favorite goes to every other race I've done because they're all amazing. And I feel guilty already for not saying other ones. <laughs> um, what What food did you eat? celebrating fourth place at ccc i mean that is like talk about the global scale of ultra running like top 10 there is unbelievable but you're almost like you know on the the podium of all podiums there um uh, oh man don't open up wounds i'm just kidding i was really okay. stoked with the race but uh <laughs> um what did i have i think i had pizza obviously or or gelato or probably both did you hit that like bakery place right by the finish line uh, it's no. nice. No. Okay. See, I finished like probably eight hours later than you, <laughs> so it was like the uh, the streets were totally empty and it was free. It got pretty cold out, and uh, there's that little coffee shop. All right. Um, so you're a pizza fan, though. I do really like pizza. And that's like my one thing. That's like my one thing I would say that I like. That's probably not the super healthiest thing that I could eat. It's okay. I mean, are you putting broccoli on top or? I mean, or... if I cook my own pizza, sure. Cool. Of course, Very there's cool. always broccoli on top. Have you had the the uh, any gluten free crusts, or are you just like none of that? Uh, I mean, I've had them, yeah, and I've cooked a couple of them, but I I don't I'm not super picky in it. I mean, it's always fun to like experiment with new kinds of crusts and stuff, but for the most part, um, no, I just stick to traditional crusts. I mean, why why not ask? I mean, are you a beer drinker? <laughs> uh, I definitely enjoy certain beers, but uh, I wouldn't consider myself a beer drinker. Um, but, yeah, like I'm on the hazy IPA kick for sure. Uh, luckily, my boyfriend loves beer, so I can drink like, you know, a couple sips of his beer and get my fix. But, um, yeah, like Sufferfest you were saying, I do really enjoy Sufferfest. They're awesome. Awesome. Uh, so I definitely like certain beers, but definitely not like a beer drinker. And I don't love most beers, but some I do enjoy. I'm convinced I might have married my wife because of how good her beer tastes are. <laughs> <laughs> like we'll we'll be at a party and literally all the women will have like red wine or white wine. And she's like, yeah, I'll have this beer. Like, give me this IPA. And I'm just like, God, I love this woman. She's so great. Um, and I mean, I'm going to finish up with two last questions. Uh, Hopefully I don't blank on these two questions. I have them in my head. I know I have them. Um, are you, have you ever com uh, contemplated an FKT or a long race, like a 200 miler, some kind of crazy Candace Burt race, or is that like out way in the distance or what are your thoughts on like FKTs and 200s? Uh, I think FKTs are awesome, especially if the FKT in question, it has like a place close to your heart. So like, I would love to go, for some FKTs that are in the Northwest. Um, as for 200 plus races and things of that nature, I could see myself doing them in the far, far future for sure, because that just seems fun. Like you're just out there testing yourself for more than one day or two days, but that doesn't seem like something that I'd want to do now. And that um, would be good for me anyways. But You're, you're not going to follow up a severe injury with the 200? I mean... <laughs> 
surprisingly, no. Can you imagine? <laughs> People would be so upset at you. Um, and actually, what race are you, what kind of distance are you thinking um, to get in, you know, jump back into that kind of elite mindset for running? Are you planning on doing like a 50K or two to get back mm -hmm. at it? Or are you just going to go cold turkey off training into a race? Yeah, so that's a good question. Um, I'll probably do some long runs in my training for sure, depending on when I'm back running. Um, I'm going to shoot for a racing CCC this year again, but we'll see if that happens. And if it doesn't, um, then yes, I would definitely race something before targeting North Face. Um, but we'll see. I just kind of want to see how the training plays out. But I really like doing long runs on my own, but I'm also not opposed to doing cool races around if they work out. But I'm just trying not to think of that right now because I don't want to take a yeah. fast approach to getting back because I don't want to ever get into that injury cycle where I'm injured five months from now and then five months later. And so I'm going to try to be conservative and come back when I know I won't be re-injuring something. I, I, I love that answer, honestly. Like, your perspective is awesome. Um, and I, I truly enjoyed speaking with you. Last question, what advice would you have for someone thinking about taking a leap into ultra running or taking a leap into a longer distance, you know, whether they've done a few marathons and are thinking about a 50K or 50 miler or they have a few 50 milers under their belt and they're looking to podium CCC? Um, what, like, what advice do you have yeah. for that runner? I mean, I'd say to all of them, I'd start it off with just do it, not even because I work for Nike, <laughs> but because I think that they should. Um, if it's your first ultra, I'd say tr trust yourself and just see how the experience goes and realize that everyone's out there dealing with the same troubles and having to deal with the same parts of the course. So it's just going to be a fun adventure and you shouldn't view it as this like thing that you have to train really hard for and be stressed about. Like I'd say just go out and enjoy the community and enjoy the trail and see if it will make you wanting to come back. And if you're contemplating a 50 year after running a 50K or 100 after running 100K or whatever, like I'd say just do it because there is no, there's no true progression. And I'd say if you're mentally trained enough to run a 50 mile that you could push yourself to a hundred K. Um, so I'd say just, if you want to do it, you should go, go race it because if your mind's ready for it and your body, your body will be ready for it. If you've already done a distance that's close. I, I couldn't agree more. I, I truly enjoyed it. Thank you for taking so much time. I know you're going to, heal up here soon and be back at it probably with a training fire like you've never had before yeah i'm, I'm rooting for you and i'll stay in touch because your perspective so unbelievable just appreciate your time yeah no worries thanks for having me on it was a pleasure i love your podcast have you listened to it yeah wow, wow. that always gets me <laughs> well i enjoyed it <laughs> very cool yeah no it was awesome being on and that's episode 85. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Thank you again to Keely for taking so much of her time to share her story. And uh, thank you to Exoskin, Destination Trail, Sufferfest Beer, Hammer Nutrition, and Ultimate Direction. Don't forget to enjoy your training. Talk to you guys next week.